The year is 1987. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Tiffany. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello, and welcome to My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. This is My Marvelous Year, the show where we go through Marvel comics from origins to today, reading through a curated list of the best comics of every year. We are starting a new year, finally. Felt like we were in 1986 for months, because we were. We are here, though, in 1987, and our our current trajectory is going to put us pretty close to getting through the 80s by the end of 2020. And then uh, once we get out of this hellscape of a year, maybe maybe it's 90s comics that, that the world is needing, right, as we move into 2021. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we're heading. We have some signs in these comics today, frankly, of, of where Marvel's moving as we move toward the 90s. But more importantly than all of that, I am joined today by uh, by a couple really fun guests. Uh, the first, he is was voted most likely to lose his mind with excitement over the revelation of Rick Jones as a new Hulk. It's Zach Dean. How <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say being hunted for sport. Like, Rick Jones, <laughs> blood sport. Yes. Not a big Rick excitement. fan. Yeah. yeah, that is well documented. Um, And we also have special guest uh, Tiffany Babb. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. Uh, Tiffany, can thanks for joining. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and some people or some places people can find your stuff? Thanks for having me. Um, I write comics criticism for Panel by Panel and newly the AV Club as well. You can find my writing at Shelf Dust at Women Write About Comics. Um, places to find me on Twitter. I'm at Exploding Arrow, and I also have a monthly newsletter where you can like follow up with all my writing. And I also write like a little bit about a work of art every month. Very nice. I just signed very up nice. for that. It's very good. Thank yeah, you. I, I've been like working my way through your, your the back issues of your your newsletter. It's great. And then the panel X panel stuff for panel by panel. Excellent. Love that publication. So it's very cool. Like I, I've read a bunch of those before. I like knew who you were, and now I went back and was like, oh, she's the one who wrote that like excellent thing about Pretty Deadly or or whatever. Many thanks. So, yep. Many, many comics. Yeah, very great criticism. Recommend people check it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're happy to have you here today. As we dig into uh, some comics from 87, we're going to talk Avengers Under Siege. We're going to talk issues 273 to 277. Then we're going to dig into a, a, a couple segments of Hulk from 82nd. The first is the Peter David and Todd McFarlane collaboration on Incredible Hulk. And then the second is an original graphic novel from Jim Starlin and Bernie Wrightson, a Hulk thing, the big change crossover. So let's kick things off with Avengers Under Siege. These comics are from Roger Stern, John Buscema on pencils, Tom Palmer inks, Paul Beckton colors, Jim Novak letters. This story arc is one of the bigger ones, I would say. One of the more popular Avengers story arcs. Um, kind of period. Definitely from the Stern era. It's a it's an easier selling point, I think, than a lot of, frankly, Avengers stories, period, because it's kind of, it's probably the best example, with the exception of, like, the literal debut of a Masters of Evil versus Avengers throwdown, where it's just, hey, all the villains versus the Avengers. Um, that's what this is. It's Masters of Villains, Storm, 
the Avengers Mansion, and and things go from there. Uh, I generally like this story. I think it's really well done for what it is. I my biggest criticism, I'll say, as we kind of dig into this, is man, does this feel old compared to the other stuff we read, the mm-hmm. the Hulk stuff, especially when sure. you get into that. Okay, Todd McFarlane is is coming into his own as the Incredible Hulk artist. But that aside. It's it's very good meat and potatoes Avengers comics. I guess the question is, are meat and potatoes Avengers comics that fun? <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's Zach, remarkable. Tiffany, what did you think? We've read two hundred and I, I mean we've we haven't read two hundred issues of Avengers, but we've read a lot of Avengers, like mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of issues of Avengers in this club, and it's just like the most kind of bland comic. <laughs> kind of remarkable but roger stern has definitely been my favorite writer that we've had on it i think he's just like you're right like he's not he doesn't have these big bombastic like ideas he doesn't have the the big status quo shifting things like simonson or claremont but i think he's really really successful at the like at pacing a character voice at like at the scene doing the individual scenes of these comics in a way that I think, like, Simonson and Claremont sometimes struggle with. Um, and I, th- I think, like, he just has a... He's a very... Like you said, meat and potatoes. Like, there's nothing here that's just going to, like, astound you with its creativity. But you kind of want, like... Th- I mean, there's nothing more here than, like, the supervillains want to defeat the heroes because they hate them. You know? There- there's no deeper themes. There's no, no nothing else going on. But for what that is, I think it's very successful at it. Yeah. What do you think, Tiffany? I agree about the meat and potatoes thing. I would disagree that there are no deeper themes because I feel like that, to me, is kind of the delight of this book, which is it feels like this is an explanation to why there are Avengers. Like, why do we mm. team up team up at all? And it's kind of for these, like, bigger threats or it's for, like, Mm-mm. it's a symbol of unity. And that's kind of the funny part about this you know, evil team saying, well, how come they're always winning when we can be just as powerful? Um, But of course, like throughout the entire um, arc, you're seeing them constantly infighting and constantly plotting against each other. And we even see that in the Avengers side too. And that's like a lot of the mistakes that the Avengers make along the way are because they're infighting or have their own petty Mm -hmm. jealousies or whatever. But they recognize them as weaknesses, right? Also like, true. J- Janet not being able to to wrangle in Hercules, you know, she she recognizes as like a, a weakness of her leadership, right? Well, I, I mean, I really would say that's a weakness of Hercules, but um, but yeah, I guess that's a really good point because they he really does underline like Zemo, yeah, um, Zemo really sees these other guys as disposable, right? Like as soon as he's done with them, as soon as he doesn't have need for them, he tosses them aside and they start to crumble and fall apart that way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good point. I do like Zemo as, and this is Baron uh, Helmet Zemo, I believe. Is, the, is number, that right? Number two that we've seen, but I think the sun. Like, yeah, six in the backstory of this. There's a lot of them, but yeah, this is a, a long two. Zemo legacy. Um, I really do like is, him yeah. as the leader of the Masters of Evil. I think Tiffany, mm-hmm. like you're saying, his logic does sort of predate a lot of pretty famous popular ideas in marvel um with really without spoiling anything just idea like acts of vengeance is a crossover coming up and it just that idea of like hey villains what if we actually teamed up and and got our stuff together and like we definitely could win if we did that it's kind of the hook and again like without spoilers of even something like old man logan which is extremely popular for that so i i like that stern's tapping into that with zemo getting a large gang of avengers villains together so we have like the wrecking crew here we have um goliath we have who is it moonstone uh mr hyde who's probably like kind of the most savage we've seen him we've seen some intellect yeah. to that character in the past here he's more hulk-like um and they they are successful to a degree you know they infiltrate avengers mansion um and it is 
it is kind of funny watching them do that because it's like they just walk up and bust down the front gate, you know, yeah. and they're able to get in. And then the Enger- the Avengers being kind of um, they're not it's not like they're all sitting around a table having a meeting and are immediately ready. Yeah, to that's the point. No one's home except for Jarvis. Yeah. Yeah. So they get in and, and they succeed. And then you know, they kind of take on Avengers piecemeal, uh, particularly Hercules gets a, a real whooping here by the whole team and kind of gets a standalone entry. That, that's the other thing I think is interesting about this story is Stern's tapping into the fact and Zemo makes this point that like the Avengers lineup is always changing and Zemo's like why do they always beat us when they're they're not even the same team like the Avengers doesn't mean <laughs> yeah, it's a particularly the same weird people. lineup right now oh and it's particularly weird for sure right so we've got Wasp Black Knight Hercules um I think Cap technically still mm-hmm. and uh and uh, Spectrum, right? Monica Rambeau and Namor just uh, bailed. <laughs> They're all like, like Namor's been there for a minute. He's already bailed, and everyone's kind of pretending yeah. he'll come back. And everyone's like, yeah, he's just on hiatus. He'll be right. Can I? I'm sorry, I gotta sidetrack us for a second. Uh, this this Zemo, the thirteenth Baron wow. Zemo, according to Lucky Wikipedia, 13. <laughs> the thirteenth yeah. modern Baron Zemo. It says sure, and I, I think this is this is the one that yeah, we this, this probably all know, like the most yeah. modern readers would be familiar with, um, despite the way this story this story ends. So, uh, yeah, and, and then we do get also the the ragtag appearance of Dr. Druid as a, a yeah, crucial supporting character. Have we met that guy before? I don't remember him. Not in the club. Yeah, he's okay. been around in Marvel Comics, but not in the he's about to launch a book, list. which I think is hilarious. Yeah, he Wait, had his like, own book. <laughs> in, in the 80s or in 2020? No, in, in the story. He's, like, doing press Oh, 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 he's... Like, oh, right, no, he's an author, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I love, that's I would that love I, an in-universe version of that, you know, kind of like Watchmen uh, Back Matter style <laughs> of, of the Dr. Druid story. That'd be incredible. That's something that Stern does about with the Avengers that I've always really loved is, like, kind of making them celebrities, right? Like, the paparazzi's always around that, you know, like, they're... They, they have to make... They have to have press conferences when they have a team change up like when they're announcing new members it, it's you know like they're an international team and they make headlines and uh you know they, they're they're public facing i i like all that stuff the kind of weird like bureaucratic grounded boring stuff because at the end of this it um it does end with like oh what's the avengers team gonna be we've got some thinking to do which does mean like it's going to lead into one of my favorite things which is uh just an entire issue of like recruiting new avengers i i love the the team change up issues those are some of my favorite yeah yeah um what else blackout uh is the the secret weapon that they use here zemo has this which is hilarious because it's just let's make the mansion disappear it's it's a magic trick right it's just well yeah. now yeah, nobody yeah. can see the mansion nobody can see captain marvel she's somewhere else we don't know where she is she's just missing. right yeah because zemo acknowledges like captain marvel is the real problem here right because she's like uh, he, yeah, like he does, Stern does this great thing with scenes. Like he has these nice individual scenes that the pacing is so good. Um, but he, Zemo's talking about how Captain Marvel can't be beat, and she's the one that they have to figure out. And then cut to like her zapping around the moon, and she's just like, and she's yeah, just through the fun, moon, like, which is amazing. Right? Yeah, Zemo even says like, yeah, we've had some reports saying she she pushed herself through the moon. Like I don't know. Where he's... Oh, um, sunspots. Did you guys notice this? The amount of like references of like sunspots because are getting... of the communication issues. Like they try to call right, Black they... Panther, and they're like, oh, guess I can't. Right. Exactly. And then like <laughs> it comes up twice in the Hulk issues. I've been reading some um like silver and golden age DC comics and sunspots yeah. are like the thing that they use <laughs> as a like oh we couldn't do this you know to, to fill in this plot hole sunspots got in the way sunspots did this communication thing it's weird That's I don't think I've ever yeah. seen that in Marvel but this year in this batch of comics it kept coming up over and over again I wonder if it was in the news or something like in science news 
Yeah, yeah, some something that's hovering in the the like popular consciousness, right? I would prefer it, the Marvel version of that just being uh, Roberto Acosta, right, like yeah. flying by, you know, <laughs> and just like he's constantly messing up their communications. It just um, literally yeah, that's watching totally the waves bounce off of him. Is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I uh, so yeah, I mean, superheroes flying would affect communications, especially if they're flying through space and around like satellites. Oh yeah. I mean, Captain yeah. Marvel herself, especially, right? Like yeah. she's just. She is energy waves. So yeah, Bla- Blackout dropped. is Blackout's more than just. Like, I mean, he he like taps into darkness of some other dimension and sends her to this other dimension. And then I I thought this was a fun little twist because we have met um, Spectre. Is that his name? No. What's the the shadowy guy's name? Who's like kind of this creepy vigilante? Oh, like oh, Captain Marvel bursts uh, out. Paladin. Paladin. Pa- Paladin, really dumb name. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I I liked that little twist. We've met Paladin before, and like he has this. I mean, he's kind of like cloak or wait who you, no you're talking about the shroud maybe? the shroud the shroud yes that's who i'm talking about who's paladin oh paladin's that's the guy, the guy. That black, yeah who shows the up bla- that black knight is jealous of yeah um oh also all right anyway i like that captain marvel pops out of shroud i think that's fun i also think it's hilarious that when janet van dyne rescues the black knight after all this time he's just and she's just like come on help me and he's just like no oh, i guess you want my help now didn't seem like you wanted it at the party <laughs> like he's very petty yes <laughs> about having been uh what he perceives as ignored he, he's clearly it didn't even really happen some feelings was... for janet <laughs> yeah it's wild yeah, yeah. although he does uh, he does apologize later on about like mm, yes pushing back good for yeah. dane good for him i i do find all the black knight appearances that we're reading uh it like significantly more interesting just given the fact that that character is going to be a part of the mcu eternal john snow is going to be the new exactly knight, exactly yeah. um because he's never he's definitely never been a character i paid a ton of attention to i don't think i'm alone in saying that um yeah. but he is around like defenders a and lot, avengers like... basically from late 70s through you know like even into the 90s a bit you know like he's a a pretty consistent player i mean um, similar to monica rambeau right except that she's awesome and he's kind of he's fine, I guess. Well, that is the that is a big distinction though, because it's yeah. like the Monica. It's e- it's easier to think of Monica Rambeau moments that are interesting, and also mm-hmm. just like I, even small stuff, like you said, like her flying around the moon, but then her deciding like, hey, I, I should use my powers for fun every once in a while, and going and getting a a baguette or whatever in Paris. It's like it's a very small moment, but it also develops her character a bit in a way that Dane is kind of just like. Oh, I wish want I wish uh, Janet would talk to me. You know, like I wish she wasn't talking to me. I, I have a sword. It's cursed. Uh, and it, the sword yeah. thing is like they don't do anything interesting with it. It's like I'm going to no. use yeah. it to like knock down a door. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. The yeah, only interesting right. thing that ever comes with the sword, I feel like, is when it finally goes bad, right? When the curse finally gets to him, and then he develops a bloodlust, which isn't really a part of Under Siege here, you know? But it's, I, I don't know, I feel like there's <laughs> a lot more. The casual way you said, like, uh, and he develops a bloodlust, <laughs> it's very funny. Just for funsies. <laughs> you like know, somebody like, wakes up, yeah, with a, a canker sword or something. As it happens. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, like, you're right that there's... I, I think just Stern just writes, like, very solid, readable comics that are grounded in these characters, but, like, might not... I, I don't know, like, nothing has changed in the last decade of him writing them. Or not, I don't know if it's been a decade. It's been five or six years, I think. But, yeah. like, he hasn't, you know, I, I don't think he's bringing these big, big swings and taking these big uh, risks with the characters, but what he's doing with it, I think, is, is very, very fun and readable to me, at least. I, I think with, with the Stern, the Buscema era in particular uh, on art, like, 
you know, we kind of talk, I think brand manager gets thrown around a fair amount now as like a kind of a pejorative, but it is also like, there's value in that. There's value in people who just come and just deliver the product well, you know, like, like I'm not going to sit here and say like, these are bad Avenger stories. I actually think Under Siege is pretty good and worth, and, and worth reading, but it's also like you're saying, it doesn't, it doesn't really change things. It doesn't really um, impact the status quo in any significant way. And again, like, I think one of the big things about this is, could this story have come out in 1975? And would we feel any different about it? And I kind of feel like the answer is yes. You know, I don't know that it's really doing new things with the the story, yeah. which yeah. is a, not every story needs to do that. But given the other stuff we read today, especially the McFarlane and, and Davis stuff, I mean, it's kind of like, we it's more read, fun to see characters going new directions. We I, just I read Electra Assassin which is electrifying yeah, in the year right. 2020, right? Like compared to this, like that, that feels, you know, it does feel very old fashioned. Um, it does feel like this story could have happened whenever. And I mean, even I was laughing at the, like, obviously they can't curse. Um, definitely the good, like the bad guys get the bleeped out curses, but the good guys can't say anything, but someone's called like cap flag, butt or something. And I was just like, this is amazing. Um, but it just, I mean, even the art sometimes, like seeing people fly cracks me up because it just looks like someone just put a doll kind of on an axis and it's just like, well, that's what flying yep. looks like. Sure. Um, there's yeah. not a lot of, I don't want to say there's not a lot of dynamism because it, it the, the layouts are sometimes dynamic, but like it does feel old. It feels very 60s kirby your six yeah. panels and and the action is not you know like bringing I, I think the action gets across clearly what's happening but a lot of that is i don't know it, it doesn't have that like punch to it like miller has brought to daredevil something like that you know which again that's you know that that's relatively new to have that kind of stuff in marvel but um but by yeah. but by 87 it's it like that's the thing it's is more, it's, comics yeah. are jumping ahead and avengers yeah. is still way the, back the thing is also like but but when has avengers not been <laughs> no, that's level. yeah, like, you're right. Avengers has never been this good, I think, is pretty fair to say. But let you know, sure, that does mean that it is still it is still pretty far behind the rest of Marvel. But I think Avengers has like, I mean, Stern, Stern is doing a better Avengers than anyone has, I think. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even talking but, about being like back in the past, what, we do have all these new characters like, I mean, Wasp as as leader. But the the book is still Captain America versus Zemo. Um, yeah. like that's yeah. the whole like ending Zemo really only cares about cap. And although it is yep. a new Zemo, it is like the old dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. I, I do. I mean, Stern also clearly loves Avengers and like loves all this stuff. Like he's re he referenced like Avengers number seven here or something just from like, I remember when, um, we read this one, I think where wasps hospitalized because of like Count Nefaria puts her in the hospital. And they mentioned that like they're in the hospital and she's like, I remember back when I was hospitalized here and there's a little note about yeah. that issue, you know, literally 20 years ago. So I, I think that kind of stuff's fun. And he has a, you know, clearly like loves. Yeah, no, it's fair enough. And I, and I understand if people dig it, I just definitely, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up great. I think on a reread, even though again, like, like you're saying, I do generally think the stern era of Avengers is solid. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, the difference between solid and something that is like, hey, you should read this. This is awesome even today, um, which mm -hmm. I think is, you know, really ultimately what we're all looking for. So yeah. uh, let's let's get to the next series, which I think is 
probably the most interesting of the bunch. Um, this is the start of, again, the collaboration between writer Peter David and Todd McFarlane on Incredible Hulk. So in the club, we officially listed issues, uh, I think, 331 to 333, and then like 336, 337. I would say if you're interested in these creators, if you like Hulk, I would really recommend just reading this run. They're on this book together for about 16 issues, I want to say, and it runs for around a year and a half. Um, from 87 through 88 before Todd McFarlane will go on to work on Amazing Spider-Man and then it's kind of off to the races for him as a like one of the superstar creators of, I mean, prob- of the 90s. Besides Stan Lee, right? Like probably unrivaled in like celebrity status as a comic creator up to that point. Like who who else had this kind of like people knew him right like right no i mean so he goes on to once he leaves marvel so he becomes a big deal with spider-man he creates venom co-creates venom um and then he becomes a huge deal for founding image comics alongside the likes of jim lee it's obviously a big deal rob liefeld probably in terms of like celebrity is on a similar similar stage although pretty different careers ultimately and um and then who else like grant morrison maybe in his way um, is a name that is on that level, although probably not, probably not quite where McFarlane is because he he launches Spawn and it's kind of this mini entertainment empire unto himself that he's like even today I think he's like in the works on a new Spawn movie like that he's going to be directing and I think wild. writing yeah yeah I you know, know he's so still and I I've, I've literally never read comics. a Spawn comic so I don't have any background on the character other than I know it's huge and it's him. Right? I know it's a Todd McFarlane deal. I was going to say, like, if you're talking about, like, creator brands, like, he has, like, one of the most, like, recognizable and just, he's so consistent. Like, everything looks like a McFarlane thing. Yeah. Not not to mention toys. I mean, toys is this enormous arena that he is a rock star in for people who yes. like to do collectible toys that, that he's very well into that. I, I think, so I looked, I looked him up a little bit. Um, he got his start with a... Um, Steve Englehart <laughs> gave him a start by printing something with their like epic imprint, this little hmm. uh, small comic called Coyote, I guess. Um, I, I like this that when he was in college, he was sending off like he sent 700 submissions to different uh, comic companies and DC but sending mostly pinups, right? Which is something I think he becomes known for is these big splash pages with tons of detail. And uh, DC Comics editor Sal Amendola told him that he needed to work on his page-to-page storytelling um, and not just his pinups, which I think is interesting because if I... I I don't think I've ever read a Todd McFarlane. I would have thought that he is kind of like Rob Liefeld, where he's known for this big bombastic style, huh. but I don't know anything about his like storytelling ability. But clearly he like took that to heart because I think his page to page storytelling is very good, very competent, yeah. especially for someone just starting out. Like this is the beginning of his career and he is excelling at this. I think like his page layouts are really interesting. He brings a lot of like, um, yeah, like, dynamic storytelling here and it's so clear um yeah very 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 good i think one of the coolest things about this this particular run on hulk is you get to see both david as a writer but especially mcfarlane evolve himself Mm -hmm. over time like the first two issues 331 and 332 are very different than well where we will get as he starts integrating more and more detail more and more flourishes by the time we get to like the really famous hulk versus wolverine comic which is i think 340 like that it's got an iconic cover all the action like there's so much detail to his hulk especially that really um it really evolves like right before your eyes you can kind of see like a superstar in the making i, I think even if you're the, 
Oh, What's sorry, that? Come on. I was gonna nineteen eighty eight, just like the year between the difference between nineteen eighty seven and nineteen eighty eight, if you go look at the covers for nineteen eighty eight, the Hulk is just like an entirely different creature and it is so totally he has found his style. Yeah. In those. And that's a, that's a cool thing. Like I think that's actually I think as a reader, you know, today, like that's a rarity where you're going through a month by month journey with a a creator, a, a talent, and actually kind of recognizing what's happening. You know, like I don't, mm-hmm. I can't, I, I should have thought about this ahead of time, but I can't really think of a very recent experience where I've seen that happen and I knew I was watching it happen. You know what I mean? I think it's mm-hmm. with the, the lens of the, history where it's yeah. easier to see now, like, okay, when I can binge all 16 of these issues back to back to back, I, you can tell and you know where he's going, right? You know, you know where the trajectory. Um, So yeah, I, I thought it was cool to see the artwork progress. I think like you're saying, it's not, if you just read the first few issues and you didn't know anything about the creator names, I don't know that you'd stand back and say like, wow, like this is, this guy's going to be a big deal. So it's cool to see us go from that to what it's going to become, even by the time we're done with like the X-Factor crossover here. Uh, Tiffany, I, I'm curious what you thought in terms of the quality of these stories and, and any takes you have around like, I guess Peter David as a creator too, because he has some, con- like actually a lot of controversy to himself as a creator today, definitely. Because he's been, he's, first off, he's on Hulk here for, a decade okay so like the peter david era of hulk goes forever um he's kind of like permanently tied to that character but even today he's got new stuff coming out from marvel in 2020 so he's a pub, uh, writer who's been around he's got some works that are very well liked i think his hulk stuff is the most well known probably x factor in the 2000s um how did these issues hit for you what were the things that grabbed you about about reading incredible hulk in this era for me i found it because I I mean I'm just jumping in here so I haven't read a lot of the this is fairly early for me for Hulk so I've read some of Peter David's later Hulk stuff and most of the Hulk that I read is Peter David um but it was interesting because it does seem to be trying to start to delve into like the psychology of the Hulk and what would be an interesting dilemma to put the Hulk in like we're looking at a lot of like Obviously, the military has always been big with the character, but different facets of the military and then different facets of identity and different facets of friendships and relationships, um, which is cool. I haven't read a lot of Peter David's more recent stuff, so I can't really comment on that. Um, But just with this comic, it is interesting to see how much both of these creators are settling into this world like it feels like it quite it hasn't quite settled in yet but you can see that they're starting to get it and like um zach you were mentioning earlier with the page layouts like they're not particularly flashy but they are interesting like almost every page has something interesting going on and it's not necessarily stuff that you would have seen at this time and i think it's really fun to kind of look and break them down and see panel to panel what he's doing and i think he's also doing a lot of interesting stuff with time which is um really cool with the hulk because um especially now they're talking about like sun up sun down at this point so um kind of expanding that and playing with the clock and the psychology of the character in relation to the clock that's kind of tying back to the the character's origins too where you know when he debuts from stanley and jack kirby it's a very jekyll and hyde thing tied literally to to daylight and night you know so at night the hulk comes out and that has obviously come back in a big way if you're and again like this is not a spoiler if you're reading immortal hulk like that I, is something that Al Ewing I has had tapped no into. No idea how much like Immortal Hulk was pulling from this, but like right? 
Yeah. I've been reading Immortal Hulk, but I haven't read any of this before. And I had no idea, like, this is so much of Immortal Hulk is based on, like, this this work here. Even right? a lot of the I styles mean, is... of the caption. Like, how oh, the yeah. captions talk yeah. about, like, how, I mean, not to bring back time again, but talk about, like, the relationship with the Hulk and Day and Night. Uh, there's a lot of, like, Hulk or, or Banner, like, looking out of the window thinking. Yeah, right. Yeah, I... I... <clears throat> I think uh, 331, where we started, was a great place to start because it, it almost feels like Peter David, This it's not his first issue, but it kind of feels like it because he does so much exposition in yeah, that one right. that feels natural enough and was nice for me as, you know, I haven't read a Hulk issue in probably like three publication years or something, but it was nice. It really felt like it set this, the groundwork for where we are. And then I feel like he is taking the comic and making it more and more of his own. Same with McFarlane, both of them, as this goes on. And and I was a little worried about um, moving into this, because I, I know this run is really acclaimed, but the only thing we've read by him so far, I think, is um, The Death of Gene DeWolf, which is one of my least favorite comics we've ever read. <laughs> that comic yeah, right. is pretty awful, um, pretty bad so- or, uh, like social messaging. Um, we we oh, had a lot no, to he, say about the death. He actually read that. He wrote that uh, Frog versus Toad Spider-Man issue that was a ton of fun. So that one, that like farcical issue. <laughs> you know, that, like, that well-known Frog versus Toad versus I, Spider-Man well, issue. <laughs> it was like a weird one-off that we read for the club. I don't even know yeah. how it got in the list, but it was like just a, a bottle issue. Well, and Peter David, I think he, he has a... Issue a sense of humor that he wears on his sleeve in a lot of comics, um, which doesn't, you know, there's, there is a blend here of like, he becomes a very, first off, like literally a very pun focused writer. Like his work progresses to a point where he, like you can count the puns per issue. And that's like, like a really? small cottage oh, industry yeah. of, of humor. Um, sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't as, as puns tend to do, but incredible Hulk, I think it's, at this point in time, he's not he's definitely not trying to make a funny book. I, I don't think I don't think the comedic sensibilities really are there. Uh, it's taken pretty seriously. It's definitely it's starting to dig into Hulk psychology, probably in the way that will become the most well known um, like of any Hulk run. I mean, I, I don't think anyone else Except really weirdly does it not as much. like the way that Hulk is known in the public consciousness. Right. Because I don't think like the general public thinks of the Hulk as like, yeah, he's this other man. Right. Who can think Bruce for Banner. himself and everything. Like mm. it's literally like two men at war sharing this body. Right. Like and the immortal Hulk just takes that and like keeps going with it. But like, well, that's where we are now, though, is the thing. Right. So like, right, I know, but even in like 2020, I think like a lot of people don't yeah. think, I mean, that's not the MCU right. version. That's not the version in the old movies. That's wasn't my conception of the Hulk until I started this club. Like, I think that's kind of interesting that this has been around for so long, but the, uh, the public image of the Hulk is kind of like what based on the TV show, maybe like, he's just a guy who gets big and very angry. And I think what's successful about this is this is a lot more interesting, right? Like the Hulk is run for 300 issues and that's amazing because that concept of Bruce Banner has just not been that interesting of just him getting angry and losing control. Well, the Hulk is yeah. interesting. Like he's like he's an interesting character. Like you can see why he does what he does and he's kind of a villain a too, right? He is a he's villain. N- he's he's nasty, right? And it's so personal. He is, it's like so personally against poor Bruce, who isn't particularly interesting at this point, but like you do kind of feel bad for him because it's like you are sharing a body with someone, but that person like directly wants to kill you. Yeah. yeah. And then, it, I mean, he, he complicates it by like Bruce is not this long suffering hero. Bruce is kind of a jerk. Like a lot of this, he's being a jerk to Betty and Ross. A coward. Right. Like, he's just right. Yeah. He, he's not running. that appealing. Right. Um, I think the one and, the one heroic action Bruce does take here heroic i guess maybe in quotes is so we have rick jones running around as a very cool great hair great head of hair as the hulk 
Um, and he's running around being hunted by the government and specifically the Hulkbusters unit. And Bruce is actually working with the Hulkbusters. Uh, long story short, he gives away that this this in the previous Peter David written issues, Rick had actually become the Hulk. Okay, so mm, yeah. in order to get Rick safe again and not uh, obliterated by the Hulkbusters for being the new Hulk, uh, Bruce teams up with a how would you what's the phrase here a a lack of intellect leader. Okay, the longtime Hulk supervillain he has lost his super intellect. He's just a regular just guy faded away. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's some good little like um kind of like Benjamin Button style like I started so smart by the time I realized what was happening. I could oh, remember my password. <laughs> that did crack me equipment. up. That like he, he was just like yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. It was like I couldn't. Well, at first I couldn't read like you know these dense academic texts anymore, and then you know I'd become more forgetful. And then once I just like I went to run some errands, I couldn't remember the code <laughs> to get back into my secret base. Yeah, <laughs> so I drifted off and became a corner. <laughs> so he's working there as a yeah, corner, and he, he gets Bruce to um to set up an experiment essentially to transfer Rick's Hulk powers back to the leader. Because he mm-hmm. wants his his intelligence back, but then in the process of this, Bruce actually has to become the Hulk again. It, long story short, that's basically what happens. So Bruce's actions are basically he's kind of free of the Hulk at this point, which is like I think unquestionably his greatest wish. He has to take that back on in order to help Rick, who's always always getting in the way. Except it kind of seems like Bruce wants it back, right? That's the thing is Betty's like yeah. Betty's furious because she finds out that he has like charged himself, like he's been free of it a few times and gone back under the the influence of the Hulk. And she's just like, "Why didn't you tell me this?" And he's just being really dismissive and nasty to her, which we can get back into because it's kind of a running. Um, I don't know if it works, but the way you're the way you're discussing it there, it almost becomes a metaphor for like addiction. Like I think Bruce it's a has this thing for... he kind of hates about himself, oh, but yes. he always goes back to it. That's you know? interesting. I, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's really what he's playing with, but like that that definitely seems like you could you could take it that direction. Um yeah, so uh the oh, I, I wanted to point out one of the Hulkbusters or the a couple of the Hulkbusters are really interesting because like there's kind of the the normal the normal stock like beef boy, like big muscly military guys, but then yeah. like two of the people who work for them are just like it's a like a larger gray-haired woman, Hidiko, and uh and this like bald French guy. And it is just weird and remarkable for, I don't know how to put put this, it's strange for them to be having even secondary characters of, like, women who are not, like, thin and pretty by, like, normal standards just be normal characters without it being remarked upon. Like, she's not, she's just someone who works here and is a character that's interacting with people. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a McFarlane or a Peter David choice, but, like, just for the fact of having, like, a chubby gray-haired woman who was also a romantic interest of another character in this felt like something just it, that it's in the background and they're not yeah. remarking on it. It it's is like interesting. That, and especially that like feels... she's treated as part of the team and like nobody questions her competence. Like she, and she's yeah, a li- literally could swap her out for any other, you know, like you could draw her any, any way and it wouldn't really change anything. Replace her with a muscle they... boy to match them. Right. Ex- exactly. And so the fact <laughs> yeah. that they had like an older woman, uh, here, like, was it was kind of interesting for the time. Like, Marvel the team in general yeah. was hilarious to me because there's there's yeah. the muscle yeah. boys who are kind of just like, oh, let's just fire guns, and then there's like, you know, those <laughs> those weak people who are like, maybe we shouldn't fire guns at people that we know, <laughs> and yeah. they're just everyone's just trampling on them. It's like, oh, who cares? We don't need philosophy right now. We need 
bombs. Yes, yeah, right. There is a even the guy who like almost got his leg ripped off by Rick Jones still wants to to get back in there and like well, I guess that's probably why he wants to get back there and kill him. Um so I, I guess we can talk about the there's a theme running through these comics of domestic abuse, right? I mean, it's larger than a theme. It's pretty explicit in uh, in one little side story here in uh, I think 336 is the issue. Um 333, this... I believe. Okay. Um yeah. The, there's the side story of the sheriff of this small town that the Hulk's going to end up in. Um he's abusive to his wife physically abusive and we get a couple scenes of that like that's how the issue opens and then the hulk bruce banner (laughs) the hulk the Hulk keeps trying to find ways of subduing bruce banner so that he doesn't like have a chance to go rid himself of the hulk during the day i do love this this so he'll go and like put himself in a cave push a boulder in front of the door (laughs) and then pass out so that bruce banner is stuck in the cave oh yeah which that leads to one of the like coolest body horror scenes of uh of bruce Banner yeah they dreaming, start doing the body horror here right dreaming of his transformation back into the hulk and he's being like subsumed by the hulk's body in that final panel of it looking like the hulk as as he's like being sucked in the the hulk's mouth is going around his head just incredible that that was one of the coolest moments it's horrifying very very immortal yeah. hulk yeah yeah, no, so it's got good. it going. Um, um, but yeah, no, in that in that domestic violence scene too, like it opens with so they're pretty gruesome images of this. You know, the woman we presume the wife. Um, like you know, she's got a black eye, right? She's clearly been beaten. The husband's spouting some vicious, gross nonsense about you know if she'd only listen or whatever. And uh, she has a gun, right? And she's pointed at him. And like it, the page ends. The layout there is really interesting because it's all these panels split up. It ends with a bang, and you think like, oh, this is going to be a story about her having finally taken action and, and taken out her abuser and although she tries to the gun's not loaded right so the second page no, now actually no, leads into more it's it's a daydream she doesn't actually pull the i was trigger. sold i was sold it was real zach <laughs> I, no okay. it's a daydream, a daydream and then it yeah. cuts to like but yes it wasn't loaded ultimately um yeah and then bruce banner the hulk goes to a liquor store drinks himself like until he's drunk which means bruce banner wakes up super drunk in a busted up liquor store gets arrested and then he's in the sheriff's jail and he breaks out as the hulk and starts like smacking the sheriff around right like he starts uh like emasculating the sheriff in front of the whole town and this big macho guy who's clearly this like uh corrupt cop he's like made his any competition but ran against him disappear etc um and then the, the wife shows up and like tries to stop the hulk she pulls a gun on the hulk and like it ends up with her her shooting her husband and saying like oops i didn't mean to do that and the hulk like sneers at her and says like yeah sure you didn't and leaves right yeah right and i think it's supposed to be this like moment of her escaping her abuser i i don't know this this trope is really sour to me um I don't think it's, like, necessarily that bad in and of itself, but the trope of, like, the way that women escape their abusers is by killing them. Like, that is the girl power, that is the, like, the the moment of independence or whatever is this violent thing. That feels like a very male idea of how you, you know, deal with being in an abusive relationship and how you mm-hmm. reclaim yourself. Um, that, like, I, I don't know, it... it I, I'm I mean I'm not in that position and I, I can't speak for that but I think like that trope just feels like I've seen that so many times before and uh well it dates it, back to action comics number one I mean one of the first ta- oh, like sure. fights that yeah. Superman takes on is uh he flies in and he stops a domestic abuser um and it's it, I I don't believe that trope gets applied in that issue but I mean that's you know we're looking at the, the history of superheroes like that's right there in, in Superman's yeah I mean I'm, I'm specifically speaking of own. like the the wife or the girlfriend shooting and like killing their abuser uh, is, as the, the way out 
Because in this case, yeah. like she's not even like she hasn't pulled out she hasn't pulled out the gun to shoot her husband. It's almost kind of like yeah. in this heightened moment of emotional whatever yeah. that she shoots him. And sure. like I feel like there's a really interesting parallel between um Bruce Banner and his new wife versus um versus this relationship because you know you'd normally think hulk is like the scary abuser or whatever but bruce is really kind of the asshole here um yeah they're definitely making him that that, that parallels definitely being and she of, and like, she leaves she does leave and and write writes a note that gets you know magically lost in in the wind but but it is kind of we're seeing a lot of gender dynamics when it comes to power and like with a sheriff, it's physical strength, and obviously there's a lot of emotional abuse as well. But with Bruce, it's really just like a weird power dynamic in their relationship that's just kind yeah. of gone really, really wrong. Doesn't it set? Did it set you guys up to think? So she has this guy show up who's her ex-husband. Apparently, he still thinks he's her husband. It's her first husband. And did it? I I feel like the comic was trying to lead you down the path of thinking that this was some like slime ball who's going to come in and like be a problem for her oh yeah when yeah. really it kind of yeah. ends up being like no she's the one that, like she finds support and like a shoulder to cry on with this guy and bruce is the one that she needs to get away from like, sure. I, I, yeah i think he's ramon he's ramon a is a misdirect yeah. it is very They're soap tapping into it it's like long, long lost husband appears like right after the wedding. Right, and he gets into a fight with a soldier. He like pulls a knife on <laughs> on some soldier. He like yeah. pulls a yeah. Why would you have thought he had questionable decision making, Zach? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see yeah. it. Oh, because he pulled a knife on a soldier. And even Betty talks about how this guy is like full of machismo and and such. So like, I think it's kind of setting you up for that. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. I feel like this is landing the discussion <laughs> quite right. Like, it's it's definitely it didn't. It's not like the uh, the Gene DeWolf thing where I'm kind of disgusted by it, like, and I felt no. totally turned off by it. it but it's I, more I'm not. It's more gray, like part in the pond. Yeah. Like it's gray Hulk. It's it's more gray. I don't know that it's the most nuanced conversation, but I do kind of appreciate these issues. And we we actually skip over a couple of them. These kind of one and done stories he's doing here of just like the Hulk, the Hulk, and you know, like civilization and various issues. Like those actually tend to be pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I think it's yeah, a big part of what makes a lot of immortal hulk so interesting off the bat is just like how does hulk interact with the world especially devoid of the the human like restraints of bruce banner you know and that's like again you can if you put the screaming headline hulk versus domestic abuse there's that's that's probably gonna raise some eyebrows because these creators better know what they're talking about right it's a very serious subject um i think there's enough gray to it in this issue that like they i don't know that they botch it necessarily it, it makes me wonder I, I i look at it and I say like i don't know how effective this is um but i do kind of appreciate they're trying to tackle some issues like there are definitely we talk about this even with death of gene dwarf like the intention is there to tell a story that has meaning and i think there's some value to it the way they pull it off well i think it also shifts hulk into an interesting perspective because he's like kind of egging the sheriff's wife on he's like yeah like that, she's, she says it's an accident yeah. uh, or something like that and he's like are you sure and you start to think about like what because like we don't really see the morality of Hulk. Like we see his like we see him want what he wants and a lot of times it's just I mean it's just kind of like he's very powerful and so it's easier for him to punch someone to get what he wants than everyone else. But we don't really see the on these like other issues, like where he stands. And like it could either be like, you know, he just wants people to be violent or whatever, but it could also be something else. Like he, I mean, he's yeah, kind of the anti-society, right? He's pushing people to not follow the rules, just to follow the rules. 
And I mean, killing your husband is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because I, I kind of got it as him. You know, like I guess egging on people's worst instincts a little bit, right? Like, and, and for her to have killed him was, you know, like, and, and to pretend, maybe pretend that it was an accident, right? Like he sees through that, right? Like, well, and I do that. like that. I like that. Um, that version of the character because the the common consensus to get back to like, well, what do people think about when they think about Hulk? It's even when he transforms, usually he's childlike and kind of just wants to be alone, and he's forced into violence but but always with the intent of helping others right and and peter david and mcfarlane and the creative team here they're tapping into actually he transforms he has the worst impulses of bruce banner and he wants he that's what he wants to see in the world that's what he expects to see in the world he's not out here playing hero necessarily right like this hulk in this in this you know the way he's written does not fit on an avengers squad and that's actually really interesting. I, I kind of like that version of the character. It takes him somewhere else than we get. He's not, you know, again, like to the overused trope now would be the anti-hero. But I actually think it works really well for Hulk because that's kind of what he is from Jump. You know, that's kind of the character's basis. Yeah, and they put him like in the middle of nowhere away from every single other hero. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, the next couple issues we dig into are uh, an X-Factor crossover, which in retrospect, like probably if I was making the list again, I would do the previous two issues actually, which are more just kind of standalone Hulk stories. Um, these ones I like because I'm a sucker for a crossover. I love X-Men and uh, it's Todd McFarlane. And we haven't read a good X-Factor X-Men. yet. So so this I'm, this... I'm going to guess, given your, your Simons and Slander of late, Zach, that you... We're digging McFarlane's approach to the X Men or the yeah, X Factor yeah, specifically. I like this X Factor so. group a lot in the uh, yeah in a way that the other X Factors have been falling very flat. I do think artistically there are some like Iceman's powers freezing the Hulk. I think visually is a lot more compelling um, than we've seen in other places. I think that stuff's really cool. It otherwise, I mean, the story is is your classic miscommunication heroes fighting sure. heroes kind of yeah. thing right yeah, like yeah. there's not it's not super evolved beyond that. a little bit of uh, but it looks good of like uh you know the x factor being like oh we're uh we're using the language of the oppressor and we're we're adding fuel to that fire right like so we have a responsibility and gene like you know, scott being sulky about that fact already because that whole conceit is so dumb they, yeah. It is a dumb conceit, and they're very. I mean, they they just like roll up in this creepy van, just like we're gonna take <laughs> you away in this van. Everything's, you know, yeah. we're probably quote unquote like taking away the mutants. But also, like, if I was a mutant, and even if they told me that they were not gonna take me away and put me in jail, like I wouldn't go in that van. Well, we're like eight right. issues. We're in like issue eight of X Factor, and that's already happening. They're like coming for mutants to save them, and people are like, "No, I've heard of you. Jeez. Like, I'm not going with you." And it's well, why did you do this in the first place? Like. Bad this better PR. be gone soon. They, they This has to pivot, right? Like No, we do. Post-Mutant Massacre, we do see them finally start. Right they, they'll start to move away from this uh, this very bad plan. Yeah, we're the executioners. We've come to save you. Like, yeah, no, totally. It's us? like, how do they ever get mutants that actually stick around with them and uh, and feel comfortable with that? It, it is kind of wild. Um, yeah. I do like the moment. There are moments here where, uh, again, we get this depiction of the Hulk as kind of a new a version you know a new psychology in the character like there's an example of someone calling to like okay like gigs up bruce like all right we know like bruce settle down and the you get this kind of i think it's an all-black silhouette of the hulk being like there's no bruce here and it works it it actually i think is effective given what we've read because it's they have sold that i think at this point like i'm not sitting here thinking oh yeah bruce is in the back of his mind and he's gonna ultimately get him to do the right thing like it's actually not that version at all and i think that makes this character at this juncture uh pretty compelling actually yeah yeah i agree i think i'm gonna pick up 
probably one of those uh, runs I'm going to keep reading. Like, I'm not reading full runs of almost anything, but, like, I read the two issues that we, we skipped through here because I was like, well, I miss anything. Yeah, no, for it's, people it's that are digging... Right, no, they're they're compelling enough. I think for people that are digging it, again, I think McFarlane and David are together through, like, 346. Um, we'll cover some of those issues on the 1998, or 88, excuse me, uh, reading list in the club. But otherwise, you know, definitely, definitely recommend checking them out if you're a fan of these. Because I, again, it's definitely the Hulk run that stands out the most uh, for me as a reader, I think, from, like, 1985 to... I mean, what, 2006? <laughs> so yeah, these are sure. these are definitely some whole comics that stand out a lot to me. All right, cool. Let's get into then the last one. This is a graphic novel that I had not read prior to uh, updating the club list for 87 this year. So it was not on the original My Marvel This Year run, but now it's added in Marvel Unlimited. And I think we also had uh, some patrons, you can back us over at patreon.com slash year who recommended uh, checking this one out. It's Hulk Thing, Hulk and the Thing. It's Marvel graphic novel number 29. And I think, what's it? subtitle oh the big change mm-hmm. and uh it's a uh, jim starlin written bernie writes in weird. drawn so <laughs> uh, inked colored that's just starlin writing you it's mean? just weird that it's jim starlin like there, there's a few oh yeah yeah right here but like i mean that it takes place in a weird space station but besides that it's like yeah it's not starlin cosmic right no like, it's not what i mean come it, to know from the creator kind of and, you know it's kind of got his weird sense of humor like of the the thousand clowns that harry adam warlock right like that yeah, kind of yeah. weirdness that he would put in but like it's not yeah, it's very, very strange. Anyway. It's a it's a goofball one-off story between Hulk and Thing. And uh, it's this is actually, like, there, I don't know that there are m- big lessons to it, maybe. But, like, generally, it's just like, hey, want to have fun with these characters? Like, that's what we're going to do for a graphic novel, right? Is just kind of hang out with them. Um, and it, it kind of works. I actually like, because usually when Hulk and Thing are together, okay, we're going to get the throwdown. Who's stronger, right? And it's kind of like, I, I don't care, really. You know, at this point, like, I think we have all generally come to accept that, like, well, obviously Hulk, you know, like, why are we trying this out? You know, (laughs) like, this doesn't end well for Ben. I like him more as a person. Um, But this comic kind of does away with that. They obviously have their, because they fought so many times, it's not like they're best friends. Um, But it does a different thing with it. And it's a a fun comic. I dig it. I I think Bernie Wrightson, co-creator here of uh, Swamp Thing, is is probably more well-known for, like, horror stuff. Does a pretty good job with this, which is a sillier story at heart. Um, But, yeah, what, what did you guys think? I liked it. I found it, um, you know, it it is like a fun romp. It's kind of a buddy cop type thing where they're just like put in a weird situation and trying to figure it out. And Hulk says all the Hulk things and the thing does all the thing things. Um, I, I really liked the aliens. I thought the aliens were really interestingly designed and like they're kind of weird. Um, they're weird community and their weird laws and their weird rules i was not a huge fan of the coloring um mm. just personal preference preference i was just like it was kind of hard to look at yeah, at times did, especially it feel, digitally it felt very like this is we, we can do prestige coloring here right like yes. we can really stretch the bounds of it and it, yeah it was it was overdone i think it is funny how the the original graphic novel line does that right they're like it's got the big budget colors but then comparatively it's actually like it rarely kind of works it doesn't it doesn't necessarily pop and look uh you know like it explodes off the page it's more just like this really matted kind of thing where i'm like i would kind of just prefer this look like the rest of <laughs> the marvel comics you know and Bert, bernie writes is that correct yeah um d- does like uh, alien faces great thing in the hulk great normal human beings kind of <laughs> weird like it shows the fantastic four at one point and doesn't it look like they're all like suffering from like allergic reactions to bee stings <laughs> like all of them the are, watcher their looks eyes. weird too <gasps> oh i loved the watcher though like that that 
his face, his big chubby face, and it's all like so the fat bizarre. rolls they gave him. Oh, I the love more, that. The more the ba- more bald babyish watcher looks, I, I tend to think the more the better. I, I do that. also like the yeah. idea that <laughs> Starlin and Wrightson were like, "Hey, so in the script." Uh, all the Fantastic Four stung by bees recently. We're not going to mention it. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> but that's what happened. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just the Jim Starlin expectations because I've adored his work before. I, I think I had fun with this and I appreciate them doing fun, silly stuff. Like that That's a big thing. Like Marvel doesn't have much room for that lately. We've read very few things where they're just like, yeah, we're just going to have, this is just going to be fun, right? There's no serious yeah. stakes here. Well, especially uh, like, in, especially in 87, right? So now yeah. we're coming yeah. out of, we're coming out of Watchmen into the Dark Knight Returns. The, the big Impulse fun, let's just let comic code characters yeah. be goofy is probably less popular than ever, you know, in the yeah. superhero world. So it does stand out. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like Jim, Jim Starlin seems like he's in the 60s with his sense of humor, and a lot of it just was like, it was very, like, lame dad humor to me. In a it's way that's kind like, of Ben Grimm humor, though. It's yeah. a little you know? cute. It's a little charming, but, like, I, I don't know. I, I think some of it, it's like... Hard to- get around like the oldness of Ben Grimm in general. Like you can't really modernize him. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, work yeah. great. No, it doesn't work great. Um and I the charm of him I do think tends to feel like I want Ben Grimm to feel like I'm reading quotes by Jack Kirby in yeah, World War II. It's really like, t- you're right exactly. I I don't know if anyone has nailed his character voice as much as like Kirby and Stan Lee for me. Like people have done okay work with it. John Byrne did okay when he came back, but like no one's done it the same as uh, Lee and Kirby, which is well, probably that, like, um, the highest praise. What I was have that? For them. We read that. What was it? Marvel fanfare. It was the Barry well, Windsor yes. Smith. Oh God, that solo that issue. issue is um, incredible. Yes. That's perfect, Ben Grimm. Right. Have but that, but that, that's a Tiffany? goofy issue, too. I like, read that it. feels antiquated. There's a prank war issue Ooh. between him and Johnny Storm. It's Ooh, almost entirely silent, and it is just perfect. It's like a The cover's like comment. Ben uh, mugging it uh, like he's on the cover of a magazine. I, I forget. I, I can't remember exactly what issue it is, but it is it is a perfect comic. I'll as have far to as look I'm it concerned. up. It sounds great. It's num- number yeah. 15. Marvel fanfare 15. 15. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I dug this graphic novel. I'm glad I checked yeah, it out. Yeah, I think it's well worth the read. I don't. It Again, too, I think like... The graphic novel line is the stuff we've read so far is the death of Captain Marvel, uh, which is also Starlin, right? He kicked things good, off. Yeah. Then um, God Loves, Man Kills, the original New good. Mutants graphic novel. But all of these are like, hey, these are these are graphic novels. We better make them big, serious, and get to the heart of issues. And this one takes a totally different approach. And I do appreciate yeah. it for that. Totally. And I think it's generally successful at it. Sure, yeah. Agreed. Cool beans. So that was 1987, part one. We just, we Next- just need a guest to keep us... Uh- keep us friendly like friendly have, and efficient and in agreement <laughs> yeah yeah we, we don't we don't brawl do you normally just here. have like a list of things to fight over we so but recently we had, we, had we had a big fight over the x-men mutant massacre um, um we just have you read that or have you read i have it's been a while to remember it yeah yeah i don't, um, I don't like it <laughs> I, I came down on the side of generally liking it and um and, and feeling okay about it and zach was Totally out. Pretty, totally pretty out. negative. Yep. On the old crossover. But then we made up over some Daredevil. So. Zach thinks go. we made up. But as I'm, long I'm as you make up. Human. <laughs> You're still in Dave shit fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, but no, Tiffany, it was a pleasure having you on. I, I really appreciate yes, you taking yes, the time. Yes, thank you. It was um, to be here. You, you mentioned up front where uh, people can find your stuff. Is there anything else coming up that you want to share or anything? Um, yeah, check out the October issue of Panel by Panel. I will be guest editing, and I'm very excited for what we're going to do. So keep an eye out for that. Very cool. What does uh, what does guest editing entail? Does that mean like it's your show to run? 
kind of as as far kind of. as like my ability <laughs> has yeah, yeah. still has to do all the things that I can't do um, because he is much more skilled at many many things. Um, but I get to you know read people's essays and give feedback and like you know all that fun stuff. Nice. Nice, very cool. Very, All right, that's the October. Cool. Do you know, or can you say what the uh, like the cover this, feature? This is, won't or... be coming out for here. Just a second, let me figure this out. This definitely won't be coming out until like until October, until like October fifth oh. at the earliest. Then our episode, right? Yeah. Then yes, it's my favorite thing is monsters by Neil oh, Ferris. Oh yes, oh, cool. So it'll yeah. be a cool, spooky cool. Halloween issue. Excellent. Amazing, amazing. Oh, I'm super looking forward to that. Okay, that is. Uh, I've got that inside my top twenty favorite graphic novels of all time exciting so i'm Ooh, looking forward fun. to it yeah all right cool tevany thanks for joining uh, i'm dave you can Thank find you. my stuff at comic book herald comicbookherald.com zach you can find him at my marvelous year for my marvelous year really things to support the show uh we'd appreciate it if you go over to patreon.com slash my marvelous year consider doing so there or you can always rate and review the show on itunes zach we need a new rate and review idea for 87 what should people uh... do in their ratings and reviews no, these, we these, can think about this offline. If, yeah, uh, we'll, if we don't we're going to drop these during variant covers, not during these. Oh, okay, okay. This All is right. a new we thing we're trying. To we haven't worked out the the kinks yet. <laughs> um, music for the show is by Disaster Piece. That's D I S A S T E R P E A C. Spelling the whole thing this time. Okay. Cool. I'm doing the whole thing this time. <laughs> and uh, is that it? I think that's it. Right. That's it. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year. Bye.